Welcome to the She Wore Black podcast. I'm Agatha Andrews. Today, I've invited author and editor Alex Woodrow, who is one of the geniuses behind the indie horror treasure that is Tenebus Press. We talk about Insomnio, their collection of modern Gothic short stories, as well as the innovative place they've carved out as a young publisher. I've divided this episode into two parts, so transitions aren't quite the same as in a normal show. The second episode is a look at the book industry from the retail and library side. She actually interviews me for that one. So listen to that show if you're interested in finding out how book retailers and libraries find your books and put them into the hands of readers. You can buy Insomnio using my bookshop.org link to support the show as well as independent bookstores nationwide. That's at bookshop.org slash shop slash she wore black. I also want to add that you can help out the show by following She Wore Black on Twitter and Instagram and leaving us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us today. Now, on to the show. All right, Alex, welcome to the show and thanks for my IT advice. (laughs) (laughs) You're very welcome. Let's hope it works. Um, yeah, Alex, I had seen a tweet earlier today where you mentioned that. So I thought I would take advantage before we started recording. <laughs> so. Yes, that was definitely me fixing everybody's computers from when I was barely old enough to use a keyboard properly. <laughs> well, and my husband's not here. Otherwise, I would, that's what he does. So, you know, mm-hmm. we were just talking about everybody bringing something to the table. And, you know, he exactly. that's one of his, that's what he does too. <laughs> brings the computer there's always one in every family yep 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 well I've invited you on today for a lot of reasons but we're we're primarily here to talk about insomnio but then we had a conversation you were so kind to talk to me before the recording a couple days ago um so I think we have like a publishing conversation in store Mm -hmm. for everybody too um yeah but let's start with this incredible incredible collection So the first time I had you on was actually for stories that were in a separate anthology, but had been submitted Mm -hmm. for this collection. Yeah, absolutely. This collection was kind of like my debut into the world of being a short story editor. Mm -hmm. I was lucky that Matt trusted me with this and, you know, it was my opportunity There were multiple goals to this, not just having the anthology. One of my goals was also to start to form a community of writers, a community of artists, a community of people, you know, to have those first couple of roots from which to grow something. And what happened was that, you know, we could only take so many stories here and there were so many more I wanted to publish. So, yeah, that's when I started to look out for other opportunities and other publishers that might be interested and I met with Bridget's Gate, which ended up flourishing into a really fruitful and wonderful relationship that I think we are going to continue for a very long time. Nice. Hopefully, if they don't get tired of me. No, and, no, I yeah. think everybody wants some some Alex in their house. So. <laughs> Luckily, I'm also very enthusiastic about being everywhere if possible. Well, what I like about what you just said is that sometimes I'll see an anthology that I think has too much in it. And what Mm -hmm. happens is that stories get lost because people pick Mm -hmm. up anthologies 
you know, sometimes they'll read them cover to cover, but I don't think that mm-hmm. usually happens. I think people no, gravitate to what they like in anthologies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I like, I mean, if you look at this, this is actually a slim volume. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's plenty mm-hmm. in it, but it's a slim volume. And I, what I like about that is that I am more inclined to read every story that way. You know, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. there's that overwhelming feeling that people get when they look at something that's got, that's just so big. There's, you know, you kind of just gravitate to something else after a while. So funnily enough, that was one of the, you know, positives and negatives of this collection, because like I said, we had multiple goals when we made this. And one of them was to make sure that all of these creators were paid a decent professional rate which, you know, as currently stands by the Horror Writers Association, five cents per word. And then we, you know, wanted to get as close to that as possible. And we wanted to make sure that the illustrators and cover artists all got paid decent rates. And we wanted to have these beautiful illustrations, which meant, of course, that, you know, financially, we couldn't possibly have made it a much bigger tone than it was. Mm -hmm. And it was a calculated risk. It meant we would be able to select fewer stories I still think we have a very solid number of you know contributors in there it didn't mean we have to select fewer stories it did mean we had to give up on some you know stories that were really beautiful but we just didn't have enough space to put them in but we wanted to make sure that we created something that was like a complete meal you know with with the background story of why we are doing this with the relationship with the authors and the relationship with the contributors, because this was funded by Kickstarter. So from the very beginning, we had like a personal relationship with the first 300 or 400 people or so who helped us create it. So it was, it was this whole complete meal. And that did mean that we ended up being somewhere around 50 something thousand words in total which technically meant that we were not even eligible to be considered for awards like the Bram Stoker Award because their lower limit was 60,000 for anthologies. And we only discovered that a little bit later in the game, which is, you know, new publisher errors. That's how it is. But in hindsight, I still don't think I would have sacrificed any of the art. I don't think I would have sacrificed paying, you know, paying the authors less. I don't think it would have been worth it. I think this ended up being what it needed to be. Well, you still, what you still did in the end, I mean, whether or not you were up for an award does not negate the literary merit of your collection. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and with that comes an incredible amount of credibility in the community. I mean, I think this collection garnered a lot of respect on its own awards aside. Mm-hmm. You know, so I still think it was, I think, I think you made the right decision. And sometimes your gut does that, you know, your gut can guide. Yes, you. yes, it does. And we, we are lucky because we are both on the same wavelength. We are very frequently guided by our gut feelings, especially when it comes to doing what's right, to doing what's right by the authors, you know, to letting them speak their truth in their stories, to treating them the right way. We are also both of us writers. We are people who are, you know, we have experience in being treated by the publishing world. So we kind of take from that experience and put it into how we want to treat the people who work with us. And I really hope, you know, I hope that most of them are happy. I hope that we are doing our best for them because that was really important for us. Well, what I think I've seen from your subsequent things that you've put out there, 
is that you guys have definitely established a brand in a short period of time. You mm-hmm. know, I think we know, and okay, so audience, I'm going to go ahead and, and own up to something here is that I asked Alex to talk to me earlier because the, the subtitle for this is a collection of modern Gothic horror. And mm-hmm. I hadn't finished reading everything yet um, because I was like, well, what I wanted to know Alex's approach to this because people have weird opinions of Gothic. <laughs> and when I say weird, yeah. I mean misogynist because yeah. Um, and I just wanted to talk to Alex. I knew that wouldn't be the case with her, but I did want to get her objectives and we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. What I'm bringing that up for at this point now is because I had very, very, very much enjoyed the three or four stories that I had read. Had I finished reading everything before I tried to talk to you, I wouldn't have probably had to ask that question because what I wound up figuring out was I still don't think that Mm -hmm. all of the stories are gothic. Some of them are, some of Mm -hmm. them are, but I I still stand by that and we'll get to that. But Mm -hmm. what you've brought to the table here and what these authors have brought to the table here is something that's much bigger than that question to me. And that this is like literary horror to me. And some people might like that might like that and some people might not Um, but this is what it is I think what you've done here is put together and I have not read your subsequent anthologies but from what I've seen I feel like I'm on I'm on the right path like anything that Ten House or McSweeney's puts out Mm -hmm. this is very much on par like not even like aspiring to be I think this is on par with anything that they put out but it's horror and I don't know if you know, do you ever look at like the yeah. McSweeney's quarterly concern? And totally. Every, I like, brought this is mine a, out. a massive compliment for us. I think Matt it's is huge. going to faint when I relate this. <laughs> it's, just, it's everything we are trying to do. And like, we are actually getting there. That's amazing. No, no I think so you were there for this. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I'm like, no, you're not getting there. You This established <laughs> you, like, this is your first anthology and those... I'm like, this is like everything I've ever read from 10, not like copying. What I mean is like, this is the same quality and the same kind of product that I see from like 10 house and the McSweeney's quarterly Mm -hmm. concern. Um, And what I mean by that is that some are more narrative, some are poetic, Mm -hmm. some are like the, you know, um, have their own kind of cool, unique structure. Mm -hmm. Some are long, some are short, like there, there's set variation. It's illustrated beautifully. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what I mean by this is like, this could, this holds its head to me like right up there with those publications and and I'm not saying that to like shower you with compliments even though I'm glad that's the side benefit it's literally like had I understood that I wouldn't have asked you that question you know what I mean but I think it was still a fantastic point to raise and it's a fantastic conversation to have and I'm sure we're going to delve we're gonna have it because I I want to have that gothic discussion because I am primarily Mm -hmm. like I mean I do yeah I do mystery I do horror but I love gothic and that's Mm -hmm. that's my bigger personality um and so I think it's an important question to raise because I think that there are people that were trying to pay you compliments in, in reviews. I've talked to you, I talked to you about that in our, in our previous discussion yeah. that wound up accidentally saying things that, that were not nice, <laughs> but yeah. not nice. Like they were being great to you, but not nice to the God. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which overall is not great because 
in the end, what we are trying to do is to bolster and to yes. support these creators. And, you know, part of that is being good to the general creation at large. Right. And you can't really take away from one while supporting the other. That's not how it works. I think people struggle with that sometimes where, and, mm-hmm. and my mom will sometimes do this. The, I mean, she didn't mean to, but like, mm-hmm. you know, if I, if, if somebody like, if she sees a new movie or whatever, she'll, she'll have to say, well, it's so much better than this other thing. And I'm like, you don't oh, have to do no, that. No. You can just yeah, say that you like it. <laughs> you liked it. Uh-huh. Or if you want to, you know, compare it to other things that you like, totally awesome. You know, yes. it has this kind of plot like this one. I, I say about stuff that I love, especially in terms of like longer series. I think, oh, the, the writing reminds me so much of Fargo because everybody knows how obsessed I am with Fargo and the writing of Fargo. <laughs> yes. So I will compare it all the time. But yeah, we do have a tendency. And especially, I've noticed this, especially when we talk about horror in particular, people have a tendency to make negative comparisons. And if you think about it, that's, it's a normal reflex. I get it. And especially younger people, may not even be insanely aware of why it's not the best thing to do. So I get it. But if you think about it, it's entirely unnecessary. It is. Like entirely, completely unnecessary. And what happens, okay, so basically, so everyone knows, is that I was, I was seeing some reviews that were, and, and the reason why I'm bringing this up, because it, it's not just in reviews, and it's not just about this book. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when I see people talk about Gothic, and mm-hmm. something they've read that they like that is gothic, mm-hmm. they will say something about, they, they will kick it down at the same time saying, well, it's not, you know, women in 90s on moors, or it's not, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's not this, it's not that, you know, and I think that what people aren't understanding is that they, they're denigrating <laughs> in, in a way that's misogynist, because they're, yes. they're talking about, uh, stories that are primarily written written by either women or people in the queer community, mm-hmm. um, and the tropes that we that identify what gothic is, we have isolation, we have dread, we mm-hmm. have um, ghosts usually, mm-hmm. um, lots of times a crumbling home or like mm-hmm. home base because if it's yeah. a motel, it's still a home base. Um, you know, those kinds of things, or maybe it's a ship. Questioning your own sanity and that yes. kind of thing. That's the one those I was so important. Well, and a lot of those are things that women and members of the queer community it's part of our collective unconscious as far as as why those are story elements that we're going to gravitate to time and time again fundamental to us absolutely yeah and so when people are like oh there's no you know woman going Mm -hmm. across the moor there's no like mad woman in an attic or whatever they don't understand the bigger components and that it that and how it's harmful yeah and also it's it's factually silly because so much of what we are doing right now in terms of horror only exists because this existed mm-hmm. it only exists because of the original mad women in the attic without them none of this would be possible right. and not just modern gothics and not just modern literary horror myriad genres of horror would not be what they are without this the slasher horror would not be what it is without yeah. this so many others and i hear the same kind of disrespectful tone taken about again a majority women and queer genre romance books 
you will oh, hear yes. people say, oh, these are not your mother's romance books. And I'm like, man, the only reason this exists is because of my mother's romance books. Right. Like that's where it came from and you wouldn't have it otherwise. Yeah. And like, it's totally okay to say that this was different and unexpected. And this was, you know, it reminded me more of something like this. It's absolutely fine. But, you know, there are ways to say those things without disrespecting the origin right. and the history that we are drawing from. Well, and and I can assure you that every single one of these women, both the ones who write romance books and the ones who write horror and gothic horror, they read those books that you are disrespecting. Yeah. Yes. On those books. And you so. can change those books. And I, I when I had that previous conversation with you, um, you can you can still evolve but remain true to the genre and mm -hmm. i th i used isabel Ganas as an example mm -hmm. because she and as she said in my interview with her she was writing that book in conversation with rebecca mm -hmm. now how her book is different is that her character let's for let's start with her having a name we have a name for her main character um mm -hmm. whereas rebecca's char main character was unnamed um and she's a generally a stronger person we also have mm -hmm. other elements that are coming in but like her conversation with rebecca brought it to a more modern place but at the same time was still true to gothic in every sense of the word um so you can like honor where you came from mm -hmm. and and still make it a more quote-unquote modern voice uh, because and here's the other thing is that people like to talk about this and we we you and i were talking about um people that like to say, well, we're going to kick down the doors of this genre. We want to redefine it. And I, I'm going to use that art history degree I have that I never use so that I can feel like it has a purpose. <laughs> but what people don't understand is like, write whatever you want to write, but mm -hmm. don't be the egomaniac that thinks you're redefining something. Mm -hmm. What you're doing is creating something new, which is actually even more awesome. Yeah, so, definitely. you know, you have impressionists, but you have post impressionists mm -hmm. because what you are doing is still going to be in some way referential, but have new boundaries and have mm -hmm. new elements or new things that make it still different. It's not that you've really, you know, redefined it because then what you, what you're doing is negating everything that came before it as mm -hmm. the, that thing what you're doing is making a new place and a new yep. thing. And that's amazing. That's amazing. Totally. And I think that's the way to talk about it. What, you know, yeah. I think that's the conversation. I hadn't thought about it until now in exactly these terms, but now that you mention it, this specific word redefining mm -hmm. is such a strange word. If you think about it to use in terms of art and literature, because you know, I, I always love to say entropy only goes one way. Time only goes one way. You are not going back in time to rewrite anything. Right. What we, the only, the single thing that we can do is to take our own modern sensibilities, our own modern tastes, our modern experiences, and create something new off the basis of what, you know, what we bring from behind us, from our history, from what we grew up with redefining anything if you think about it is technically impossible right that it just nobody is ever going to do that that cannot happen right if for some reason you end up being so important that people change what the genre means to them to fit your narrative i guess that might happen but no it doesn't really you are still creating something new we just adjusted the definition to yes. include you 
Yes. So like or time only goes one way. Yeah. Like I said, or created something entirely new, mm-hmm. you know, like punk exists. It's still referential to the yep. rock music that came before, but there are new boundaries, new lines, new things about punk that made it punk. Mm-hmm. So they didn't redefine rock and roll. <laughs> they made a new thing. A new thing. Totally. And in fact, we are at a very interesting point in time right now in our history as a species where if you think about it in terms of music and literature especially we are going to have to eventually come up with new ways to define things Mm -hmm. we are coming up because i'm also an avid music fan so i (laughs) run into the same sort of problem in the music scene okay you have progressive and then you have post-progressive or you have you know post-rock neo-rock and then eventually we are going to have to come up with new words to say what we mean to say and new categories for ourselves because what we create keeps evolving. And like, it's very important that we are referencing the past, but we can't just keep adding post, 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 post rock to it. Eventually we have to come up with something else. And I think the same thing happens in literature. We are at the edge of a space where we are gonna have to come up with more ways to talk about what we are doing, more ways to talk about what we are creating that is inclusive of the past you know, but still defines us correctly because it's important to have those correct definitions. And that brings me back to insomnia because then I went to look at like y'all's website and your about section was very, very good and very helpful in my coming back to insomnia and looking at it through that lens of how you Mm -hmm. all are trying to define yourself. And I saw the the term weird horror Mm -hmm. and, um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, obviously y'all can decide for yourselves what that is, but I was like, I, I honestly think, and again, people may shun me or they may embrace this, but I mean, I really feel like this is very literary horror. Sorry. I'm just gloating over here. People may be punching my face right now. I'm gloating so hard because I'm so proud of these authors and I'm so proud of these illustrators and they did such a great job and I'm gloating. Well, I don't even know what you'd call it. I don't even think weird is is the know, right, right word. I think that that's I know, a, right. I think that's a holding place for whatever this is. Like until you find yeah. out what that is, because I really feel like this is a literary collection. You know, there's some and 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 I don't, I don't think these things are going out of their way to be that way. I think they are what they are. They I think are what they are. Too hard, you can tell. You know what I mean they are naturally what they are yes and i think selecting them what happened was we we picked stories and again not because we went out of our way to not because we wanted to it was a, like in your stomach feeling stories that were authentic that were genuine that were just you know you could feel the truth coming out of them somehow and it's there's an intrinsic difficulty to doing what we are doing because Honestly, there is no correct definition. There is nothing that we can actually say that will be exactly what we are trying to do. You know, if you think about it, even the word anthology itself is not exactly correct. <laughs> even the word, none of the words we use are exactly correct. The word weird horror, that one actually came from me because I'm, you know, a very huge fan of you know, the China Meville generation of weird horror, of actual weird horror. And I really liked the way that they defined it because rather than define it as a specific set of themes or aesthetics, they defined it as a way of pushing boundaries. 
they defined it as a kind of horror that was at the limits of several genres. So it's at its core, it's horror, but it is always mixed with something. It's always sci-fi horror, literary horror, something, fantasy horror, something else. Horror. Right, right. And it also pushes boundaries in terms of themes. So it's always a little away from what you're expecting to get. And I thought out of all of the words that do not fit, <laughs> this one kind of fits a little. This is kind of what we are right. trying to do. So that's how we landed on. And, you know, the novellas that we are publishing this year, it's we're calling it, it is functionally body horror for example one hand to hold is more or less body horror we are calling it weird body horror to prepare people for the fact that it's not exactly there it's not quite what you expect the next one is mostly folk horror okay. mostly mermaid horror <gasps> sorry that's my jam <laughs> you're, you're going to love it it's absolutely beautiful we are just waiting on illustrations for it now and i've seen some sketches and they're going to be stunning and i can't wait um but yeah it's great and we are still calling it weird folk horror because again we have to prepare people that it's not exactly what you're going to expect it's not a hundred percent there it's just to the side right right and that's why we had to come up with you know on the fly over this past year because also you know, people might not know who are listening to us, but we are a very young publisher. We are, you know, a year and a half, two years old. So that's basically nothing in publishing terms. So we had to come up with these words on the fly to define what we are doing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, hindsight, would I now call it uh, weird gothic horror? Probably. <laughs> that would actually Possibly. make sense to me, though, because right? when, when I'm looking at when I see this collection and the reason why I kept going back to McSweeney's in particular is because, you know, their quarterly concern is basically a quarterly anthology and it's mm -hmm. themed. Um, but nothing in those anthologies, it, it's sort of like what you're saying. It's difficult to describe. Mm -hmm. under like a single concept but because you're like when you're so familiar with McSweeney's mm -hmm. you know what you're gonna get yeah. so like they could say we're gonna have a humor like this this theme for this particular quarter you know quarterly concern is gonna be humor well you know when you're getting it that it's mm -hmm. gonna be the McSweeney's brand of humor mm -hmm. but I don't know what that is aside from Sweeney's, you know, it's expected, yeah. I guess, is it's what so you... hard to explain exactly. Yeah. It's variety for sure, and it's a little surprising always. Yeah. And other than that, if you're going to try to anticipate it, you know, before reading it to tell your friends exactly what it's going to be, you can't. Yeah, you yeah. can only say that you have that sort of feeling at the top of your stomach that looks forward to it because you don't know exactly what it's going right. to be. And that's so beautiful. Well, this was such a treasure. I mean, I, I know I made a post about this, but if you missed the post, I started, and I never, I should, probably shouldn't do this because I feel like it's listening to an album out of order, but um, <laughs> like for the first time, you can listen to it however you want after that, but maybe for the first time you should go in like from beginning to end. But I went straight for the reaching sea because I grew up on the coast. I'm always going to read an ocean yeah. story first. Um, yeah. And I knew I met Victoria. So I was also gravitating towards it because mm -hmm. I met her at Ghoulish and I was like, oh, let me go in. Let me go in with this right away. Um, and the whole thing where she's talking about like the lavender nails on the hands that are coming out of the water. And I was getting a pedicure at that moment with that lavender <laughs> nail polish. That's so spooky. That is so cool. 
And I've never had any shade of purple on my nails. So for that to be the moment was just bonkers. That was the universe telling you, you have to be here in this place. You are doing the right thing. And this is, yes. And it was Mother's Day and it's a mother's son story. Yes. I have walked that path of like. Like the mother theme is very important in that story. That is the core. That's the very essence of it. Yep. That was the universe telling you, yes, you are where you're supposed to be. I know it was so bananas. And so I was just like that. This is, I have to record this. I have to document this moment because <laughs> it was too, <laughs> too strange. And then, um, after that, when I read after the apples by Brianna Unamungunkin, I told you, and I brought it out, um, and I, I haven't asked her and I should ask her because I'm also going to interview her later for her first novel that's coming out in the fall. I'm so excited for her first novel. Doesn't it sound I amazing? I love it. I love the cover. I love the whole thing. For those, Yeah. For those of y'all who don't know, it's a kink positive gothic romance and I am here for fantastic. it. Fantastic. We are all here for it. I know. I'm so, <laughs> I don't know, I, I, I'm bursting with how proud I am of her and wow, if I can you know, say that I don't think anybody deserves this more than her. I can't wait for this to be out. I know. Well, we'll have her on. So you have that to look forward to. And, um, and I'm like, so ready for the arc. I can't even tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, right. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, and what's funny is that, so I look at after the apples, expecting some sort of gothic romance mm-hmm. references or whatever because thinking's like snow white or something and she busts out with this fox story um mm-hmm. where it's told from the point of view of, mm-hmm. of of these foxes and i brought the scary stories for young foxes that i was telling you about um because mm-hmm. it, this really made me think of that Mm-hmm. For those of y'all who don't know, Scary Stories for Young Foxes is a, it's a book by Christian McKay Heidecker and it won awards. I had to stop reading it like midway through because it was so scary and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going back to it, but I was like, I need a break. This is really scaring me. <laughs> um, but it's a, it's a book for kids and you'll see that it's also got some really lovely mm-hmm. illustrations in there um, too. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, throughout the book. And like, I love these pages that have like the borders that are these old Mm -hmm. branches and and stuff, but it really made me think of that. So I don't know if it's referential in any way. Um, But I'm very curious to find out. Yeah, but it was, it was a really good story. Um, And so those were some of my favorite. And then I think I also told you about, uh, which one was it? The Beach, um, which Mm -hmm. is by Julie Hutchings. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about there's a call out right now for like vicious women of the sea kind of anthology and oh yeah yeah I know that one. I am a big Cersei groupie I cannot stop talking about my love of Cersei I oh, try I'm so a Cersei cool. pusher <laughs> <laughs> and I was like oh I'll write a Scylla story and then I read yeah. this and I'm like forget it then I was like come on throwing no, papers have- in the air going forget no, it <laughs> you have to feel inspired and write more uh, I have this issue too you know it's it happens at random sometimes I will love a story and it will make me want to write and sometimes I will love a story and it will make me want to quit writing <laughs> like completely just yeah clearly I'm never gonna be this good that it's was my over. feeling with the the Scylla story I'm like forget it this is the Scylla no. story and all Scylla stories you know <laughs> isn't it a fantastic story though yeah I 
I really enjoyed that. And then you all had these amazing illustrations to go with it. Oh my gosh. Oh, those are so beautiful. I love them too. I was just falling over myself when I got them. I think one of my favorite things about publishing is those moments when you get the sketches. Yes. So you don't know what the final result will be yet, but you get the sketch and you can kind of feel it's going to be special. And then you get the final result and they are just, uh, we had such amazing luck and such a good time with all the artists on Insomnia because they were all incredibly, you know, punctual, professional, and the results were astounding. Wow. You know, I don't, don't want to, we are continuing to work with several of them and we will be referencing them again for a long time you know I don't want to be the person that says women do it better but <laughs> <laughs> these are amazing you know well, they are amazing and professional and on time and everything was always fantastic that's lessons for everyone just yeah, you say, draw you know. your own conclusions <laughs> Draw your own. Well, and I think when you're having a woman illustrate a story written by a woman, there's going to be a natural intuitiveness to it um, yeah. that I think helps. You know, there's and like a natural desire to yeah. to make sure we do our best for each other, represent it well. Because, like, yeah, because like we all know, yeah, we all know it's tough out there. So, well, I mean, we know. The, most of my guests have been female. You know, like I just interviewed. Josh Mallerman was the first male I interviewed and we were talking about a woman. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. And then, uh, LP Hernandez, but I'm like, and then after that, it's like women again for a long time. And it's not intentional even, I mean, I guess that it is, but going back to the whole idea of being Gothic, I mean, that just is my, my gravitational pull is Gothic. And so that's, of course, of course it's going to, that's who writes it. You know. I find myself pulled in the same directions too, for sure. And, you know, I don't want to ever exclude anybody, sure. especially in a submission process where we want to be as fair as possible and we want to take the story, not the author. That's important. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to take the story on its own merits. And we have always done that. But I think that these calls that are limited to a specific demographic as much as I hate excluding anybody every now and then, they are important. And, you know, we can afford to do them because we know for a fact, again, being writers who submit to calls ourselves, we know for a fact that there are myriad calls out there for everybody. There are venues upon venues where you can send your work and it's no problem. So like every now and then, if somebody can do a call that's for, for a specific demographic that just says, hey, we haven't heard enough from you we want to hear more. We are specifically curious and interested. I love doing that. And I love being a part of that. And I think it's so important for us. Well, you yeah. know, I take advantage of it every chance I get. <laughs> right, right. Well, for, I think, sure. for so long, horror felt dominated by men. So it's this idea yeah. of lifting up women writers, you know, mm -hmm. who are really doing good work. So, totally. Yeah. Which is still... It doesn't mean that there is no room for men, not by a long shot. There is plenty and we are publishing men and, you know. I think that- are still being published. If you're, a, if you're a, a, a cis straight guy listening to this, trust me, there is still plenty of room for you. Of Keep course. Writing. We have room. We cannot wait to hear your stories too. It's just a little bit of extra help. Yes. You know, a little bit of extra space for people who- we haven't heard enough of and we're curious that's the beautiful thing 
it's not like any of us are doing this out of a sense of duty or anything. We are doing it because we are actually curious. Yes. We want to hear from you. We want to know yes. what your experience of horror is like. And well, that's the fun part. You brought up romance earlier. And I think both of our communities, both romance and horror, are trying to do their best to make room for queer voices, people mm-hmm. of color, you know, yeah. and obviously women. Um you know, because that for so long, all of these were marginalized. And so Mm -hmm. we're finding out that they, you know, or the industry has been finding out that there's Mm -hmm. these amazing stories out there that haven't had a forum before. So we're just really kind of enjoying seeing all of it happen. It's also tough at the same time, because the reality is that the audience craves familiarity. Mm -hmm. So that's like a constant struggle that we are going up against as writers, as publishers. The audience wants familiar things. And I mean, think about your own, you know, you as in the audience, not you personally, but think about your own reading habits. Somebody that you love to read and you've read their past series and they put out a new book and you want to read them again because you know what you're going in for. A publisher that you're in love with, you know what you're going to get, you want to go there again. We crave familiarity as readers. Everybody does, and it's completely natural. So the problem is that there are some of us who want to push these new voices, but they are also unfamiliar voices. Mm -hmm. And they are not necessarily going to be as easy reading, as comfortable, as comforting as the voices you're familiar with. So you always have to kind of have a balance between making the reader comfortable and making the reader uncomfortable. You know, well, it's kind of like it's kind of like a kink positive publishing right. relationship if you think about it. Yeah, the balance between comfortable and uncomfortable, <laughs> because we want to publish these voices, but we are also aware of the fact that you are going to crave certain things, yeah. and that's natural and normal and okay. I am Nobody here for your metaphors, you Alex. <laughs> right. <laughs> But it is definitely always at the top of our minds. Like, how do we do this? How do we make sure that you are satisfied, but at the same time, pushed to your boundaries? Well, Brianna's going to love this episode. <laughs> I have to her. thank her on this one. Um, special shout out. <laughs> yes. Um, well, and that goes back to my question that I had had for you earlier. What you just said mm-hmm. is so important. And the whole reason why I asked now, again, I will take responsibility for having asked that before I finished reading, which gave me a better understanding of what you were doing. But I asked the question to you just because nobody else was, mm-hmm. you know, in that conversation. So I'm letting them know that like, well, yeah. is this really Gothic? Because I felt mm-hmm. like a lot of the stories were not because it doesn't have those elements and you know what those Mm -hmm. elements are. And we've already talked about that. Um, But the reason why I asked was because of exactly what you just said. I was a bookseller and I was a librarian my whole career. Mm -hmm. And this podcast is an extension of that. There was a point when my child Mm -hmm. was small that I had to stay home with him and I haven't been in a library since. And I'm like, I have that itch, you know, Josh Mm -hmm. Mallerman asked me for a list of like romance titles that I love. And my audible excitement, you know, like could be heard by anybody listening to the podcast. Yes. Cause I'm like, oh, you know, just, I, my whole thing is putting books like connecting mm-hmm. readers to books and, yes. and putting books in their hands. Oh, I get that. I feel that like yeah. really my whole thing is connecting readers to authors who have not been published yet. That's, yeah. the, that's the magic. Yeah. So that's your, that's your, uh, you know, you understand like the thrill and like mm-hmm. I always 
get a charge out of connecting mm-hmm. a, a book to a reader. And that's yep. why I was in a bookstore, like all of, like through graduate school. And even check this out, Alex, even when I was a list, like a school librarian and I'd have summer breaks, Mm-hmm. I would go during summer to work at the bookstore that I had worked at because I'm like, I just have to keep putting books in people's hands. Like I just have of to keep course you did. So, Yeah, I identify I, with the statement. Yes. So, but here's the thing. I've, you know, I know a lot about readers. Mm-hmm. I know how readers come to the table and I know how readers yes. come to the table at every age. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I asked you that question because it does matter. And, and this mm-hmm. also, not just by what I was reading, but by those reviews I was seeing and by other mm-hmm. podcasts or other tweets or other things that I see where people were like, we're changing what Gothic is. And I'm like, no, you're mm-hmm. not. You're making something new. You're not changing <laughs> yes. what Gothic is. Stop that nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, or if they're insulting what Gothic is, I'm like, that's unnecessary. You know, mm-hmm. I have said multiple times, like, I don't talk about body horror because I don't have the language for it. I don't, mm-hmm. I, it's not what I read. So I mm-hmm. wouldn't know how to talk about it. And I refuse to yep. talk about something in a way that could potentially cause like, a misunderstanding or, or miss like interpretation of what it is. Maybe my mm-hmm. understanding of what it is, is wrong. Yeah. I don't have the language for it. So I'm not going to talk about it. You know? <laughs> and, and I just, I mean, you can still, you know, anybody listening who feels like they don't have the language, you can still, but you can talk about it in terms of, I enjoyed this or this right. wasn't for me. I didn't quite get it. You know, you can absolutely, that's not but an as issue. a podcast. I'm not going to sit exactly. here and try to like wax poetic about a body. Yeah, yeah. yeah to explain it to somebody I'm else. About. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and totally. so, but of course, you know, so what the reason why I asked that question to begin with, and I don't want people to think I'm this stuffy old lady who was like, well, no, we've got to stay within the boundary. It's more about I know what will confuse readers and what will Mm -hmm. like excite readers. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's okay to confuse them. If I mean, like we can be as edgy as we want to be with like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give you (laughs) the unexpected, but that's why you come now that I understand your brand, it makes Mm -hmm. sense. You know, that's like, it's like, what I said, picking up a McSweeney's. I know I'm not Mm -hmm. necessarily going to know what I'm going to get. I know the like if it's a humor, I know I'm going to get something that falls in the mm-hmm. line of humor, but what the hell that's going to look like, because it's McSweeney's, mm-hmm. I'm not really sure, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what I'm, I would say about Tenebus Press and Horror. Um, mm-hmm. But like with the Bridget's Gate collection that you did, that is, that was Gothic, that every single yeah. story in there was traditionally Gothic. Yeah, you know. Totally. That was the brief that I got, that they can be, you know, as modern as we like, as varied from the original, but they all have to be in that direction. They all have to be recognizably a modern take on a proper Gothic. Absolutely. That was the brief. And I'm glad that I managed to stick with this time. (laughs) Well, because here's the thing. I mean, for me to have or for any bookseller or for any librarian to have credibility Mm. with their audience or with their patrons or Mm. with their customers we have to put the right things in their hands because readers are coming to you with a limited amount Mm -hmm. of money going, Mm -hmm. I have like $25 to spend and I want to spend it on Mm -hmm. this. You need to give them what they're asking for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, and to try to 
put something in their hands that isn't what they want or to try to insult what they want yeah. is not going to help yeah. anybody. So <laughs> I come at this from the point of view of someone who's trying to connect a book with the reader. And that's why I was asking about, well, is this oh, going um, I get that totally. And so what I, I want people to understand that are listening that write stories is that when you go into it, it's, it's a courtesy to your readers and it's, um, it's respect to your readers to just be clear about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I just feel like whenever, whenever I see those tweets, I just kind of <laughs> like, that's just unnecessary guys. You can just be clear about what you're writing instead of trying to, you know, freak out your reader, you know, or, or think that you're edgy because I remember being, I mean, in the nineties, people were doing this with, with, with art when I was going through art school and it's like, yeah, okay. (laughs) You're so cool. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I was as cool as you. (laughs) Um, You know, but I absolutely, I don't underestimate the importance of positioning like I know this is so vital to us, to the yeah. writers, to the reader, to everybody. Positioning is important. I'm also coming at this from a place of humility, understanding that we are new at this. So our positioning is not perfect yet. It's nowhere near where it's going to be in five years, for sure. It's going to change a lot until then. So like, I understand that, and I want to learn in terms of how you can position books to make sure because I don't think my purchasing practices would be any different. Well, I'm and I don't think that's what you were doing. Like, I don't, totally, I want to make absolutely. it clear. Like, I don't think you were sitting there trying to like, you know, do that to our reader. And I don't think that no. you were trying to be like smarter than everybody in the room or anything like that. No, on the contrary, I'm trying to pay respect absolutely. to the people who came before us a hundred percent, because I grew up on those stories. Like it would be ridiculous to disrespect them. I'm trying to pay respects. I'm also trying to give space for people who are living in the modern world to speak their truth. I'm trying to do a lot of things. Yeah. So yeah, positioning is something that I am so curious about and interested in. And I absolutely intend to keep working on it and figuring it out. It's a process for sure. You know, in, in publishing, most things I think are a process. Well, I I do think. I, I do think this is an excellent collection and I hope that you sell completely out glad. of this print, you know, <laughs> because it, like, I, you know, uh, readers, like I said, it's not even a very big volume. You can read this, you know, pretty quickly and, um, and you'll want to, because I like the size of each story just mm-hmm. makes it feel like, oh, okay. I have a minute, you know, be mm-hmm. like while my food is heating up or something and you can yeah. read one of these stories and it will blow your mind every single one of stories you know speaking of that and positioning I keep talking about how I'm sure that the modern audience needs to have at least every now and then to have bite-sized stories sometimes a modern audience just has 10 minutes while they're waiting on the bus and they just need to escape into something and it's beautiful to be able to give them that and I keep harping on about this modern audiences need this yes this is where we are right now and it's a good thing it's a beautiful thing if it gets somebody to read a story that they would not have otherwise read great fantastic 
let's do it. It's you did that so well with the other collection that we discussed, <laughs> the, the one you did with Bridges Gate. Mm -hmm. um, it was the same thing. Like I could pick mm -hmm. up one of those stories and read it while I was like waiting for my kid to come out of school, mm -hmm. like in the car, you know, that kind of thing. And it was just wonderful yeah. to be able to like, oh, I've got another story in my pocket, you know? <laughs> um. <laughs> That's it for the first part of the interview with Alex, but stay tuned for the second half where she interviews me on the secrets behind book retail and libraries. Thanks so much for joining us today on She Wore Black. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter if you follow the links on our website at www.sheworeblackpodcast.com. We have some great episodes coming your way, so be sure to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. You can also support the show by shopping at our online bookstore at bookshop.org slash shop slash she wore black. Every purchase you make through our storefront, be it the books on my lists or any books that you find in a search from our front page, will support the cost that goes into show production, as well as supporting independent bookstores nationwide. Thanks again for joining us today and happy reading.